Welcome to today's January Ask the Expert call. It's my pleasure to introduce your host, Lauren Gates with Align Technology. Lauren, you now have the floor. Greetings, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's Ask the Expert webinar, Unlocking the Power of Quintrex Pro with Dr. Maz Mashiri. You will earn two C hours for attending today's program, and you will receive important instructions on how to obtain your CE certificate at the conclusion of the presentation. Additionally, CE hours will automatically be added to your Invisalign Doctor Skype account. Please allow two to four weeks for CE hours to appear on your account. Please note you are able to listen to today's program via the webcast and throughout the webinar, you will have the opportunity to ask text questions, which our presenter will answer at the conclusion of the presentation. I do apologize in advance if we are unable to answer everyone's question since our time is limited but we will follow up after the program to answer any outstanding text questions. Today's program will be archived in its entirety on the Education tab of your Invisalign doctor site, where you may also access our archived Ask the Expert program anytime for CE hours. So it is now my distinct pleasure to introduce our speaker today, Dr. Maz Mashiri. Dr. Maz Mashiri is an Invisalign elite provider at his private practice in St. Louis, Missouri. A featured speaker in Ask the Expert webinars, he is a lead educator for Class II and DeepEye Solutions. As an assistant clinical professor at the St. Louis University Center for Advanced Dental Education, Dr. Mashiri lectures and provides clinical oversight on Invisalign treatment. He is a diplomat of the American Board of Orthodontics and fellow of the American College of Dentists. So without further delay, I'll turn the program over to Dr. Mashiri. Dr. Mashiri, you now have the floor. Great, thank you so much. And I wanted to thank Align for inviting me to another ATE call. It's certainly a pleasure to be on these calls and to be able to share what I've learned uh, throughout my midline journey here. So I'm, I'm actually very excited to speak on today's topic regarding unlocking the power of ClinCheck Pro. ClinCheck Pro is a new version of the software that came out roughly two years ago and has truly changed how I practice every day and how I'm able to detail my midline cases. So without further ado, let's get through the uh, the statement here that's just basically saying that these are my opinions and Invisalign doesn't necessarily endorse them, but uh, please take them for what they're worth. And I want to ask, first off, with this presentation, one question. And I think we all know the answer to this, but what happens if you let the software and technicians do everything for you? So mind you, the uh, software and the technicians didn't really get an orthodontic education. They didn't to residency, they don't know how to move teeth and diagnose, essentially. What the software is doing for you is recognizing when certain things, such as attachments, may be needed and making recommendations. So the way I look at anything that comes back from a line is more of a suggestion than anything else, but ultimately it's up to me to decide what needs to happen with that suggestion and what I need to do with it, either to keep it or to change it. So in the beginning, since I didn't know any better, I just listened to everything that was coming back and I was hitting accept. And, you know, I'm talking about seven or eight years ago, but I wasn't pleased about my results clinically. And really, there was no one else to blame but myself. And, I, you know, I kept blaming a line, but the fact of the matter was I just didn't know how to move teeth with plastic and I didn't know how to control the software to benefit and design the aligner. So having said that, around the launch of G6, Align came out with ClinCheck Pro, and this was a game changer. Uh, Invisalign is constantly innovating, uh, not only the features of the aligner, but also its software, and it's obviously made it the clear-cut leader in the, in the field, in the world, in the clear aligner treatment. So when we take control of the situation here, we'll find that our efficiency increases dramatically, not only with our communications with the technician, but also, quite frankly, clinically, because you're actually getting what you want, and that's, that, that's what's desirable. That's exactly what we're aiming for. So initially with ClinCheck Pro, the innovations involved really make, being able to make modifications to tooth positions. So we have 3D controls, which is an option you trigger within ClinCheck. Uh, so we were able to move teeth. We were able to add and place attachments, affect the design and shape of those attachments. We could expand and constrict arch forms and also add IPR spacing as desired. But since then, there's also been more innovations which we're going to discuss here in a moment. So what has the advent of ClinCheck Pro really done for me? Well, it's significantly decreased my frustration. I, at times, would communicate with a technician back and forth, back and forth, and 
we were having communication issues. What I was asking for wasn't being translated into the ClinCheck. And eventually I would give up, you know, after like three or four times and either, quite frankly, just hit enter because I was frustrated with the lack of communication, things not translating, or I'd have to end up picking up the phone and speaking to somebody in Costa Rica trying to get the desired changes to happen. And the technicians in, in Align does a fantastic job, but we're all different people and we all communicate differently. And what I define as class one or a certain type of movement may be different from the person down the street. So we can't point the finger at Align for that happening. It was just a matter of communication. So this really put the ball in my court and allowed me to make these changes on my own without depending on translation or an interpretation of what was being asked. So historically, even before ClinCheck Pro, we were getting phenomenal results with Invisalign. We were getting uh, results with lower incisor extractions, of course, class two correction, EMD cases, and even open bite cases, which really with Invisalign is a match made in heaven. Uh, to the same same quality, got better than fixed appliances. But to get to this result took some effort because I would sit there and write these essays back and forth uh, between the technician, and that really took up a lot of time. So with ClinCheck Pro, now what I want to show you is what my communications look like. And it's drastically decreased my time. I have to communicate with Invisalign any amount of time I'm spending on the computer. So this is an animation just kind of showing you here a case that we're treating with Invisalign with some of the newer features that have been triggered on here. But those are my initial instructions to Invisalign. And then the ClinCheck came back, and those are their comments. And then all the remaining comments here are simply with ClinCheck Pro. I literally wrote nothing to Align. I did all the changes on my own. They made those tweaks, recognized what I did. I made a little, couple more tweaks here, and that's it. I'm done. So this is, again, dramatically decreased my time I have to spend on clean checks and the amount of uh, dependency I have in my technician to really understand what I'm asking, and that's really changed my life. So in coming through this now, when we go to enhancements since the original release, uh, what Invisalign has done, which is fantastic, is added photos to view here within the tabs. And what you see on the left here is flow diagram, which I've actually been using for years. And I've presented this on a ClinCheck ATE call, I think almost three years ago. And the flow diagram hasn't changed. But what's funny is, uh, and with all the enhancements that have come out with ClinCheck Pro, it has almost enhanced every single aspect of this flow diagram in terms of how to set up ClinCheck, and you can see that first step is setting up the initial bite set. So what's the importance of this? Well, if you have impressions, you know, when you take your impressions, you submit those to Invisalign, they're making virtual models and essentially hand-articulating them in the software, and that can be difficult to do. Well, let's say you have a scanner, and obviously with a scan, you scan the bite. But who's scanning the bite? Is it you? Some doctors do scan their own bites, but in my practice, I don't. My assistants scan the bite. And we're busy. You know, we're seeing a lot of patients during the day. So sometimes I've had this happen where the bite was scanned in wrong. And I didn't catch it when I came to check the actual scan, but then I realized it when the ClinCheck popped up. So having these photos next to you is imperative because it allows you to make sure you're starting from the right place. Because if you don't start from the right place, you certainly are not going to end up in the right place. And that's not Invisalign's fault. That's the doctor's fault for not catching it. So case in point, we have a gentleman here that came in as a patient, and they wanted some treatment for relapse from previous ortho. So you can see their arch is constricted. And something I do recommend doing, regardless of uh, the photos being present in the new version of the software, is to take articulation markings on the occlusals, because this gives you invaluable information as to where the centric contacts are for that patient. So this uh, patient goes through their first set of aligners with me, and they get some nice leveling and aligning of their arch forms, as you can see, everything's going on very nicely, but they're still a little bit constricted and thus open in the posterior. So when we look here, we can see that they have articulation markings on the distal lingual cusp of both sevens, whereas we know those should really be cusp fossa, so it needs more expansion of the upper. So I submit this to Invisalign, and this is the way the bite set comes back from the ClinCheck, the first iteration of it. And if we look carefully here, we can see that the midlines are actually on clinically for this patient, but it's off to the patient's left by about a millimeter. So I'm trying to figure out what's going on, and I pull out my photos here. And, you know, this is before the newer version of ClinCheck with the photos included. I had to, you know, get out of my 
spin check, I'd pull up Dolphin, uh, which is my practice management software, go into photos, and I pulled this up and I started comparing things and I saw that the bites that cuss fossa here on the right side, but here it's actually supposed to be on the distal cusp. So the arch was not coordinated properly. So I told my technician, please look at my markings, refer to my photos, and they sent back a new version of ClinCheck, and now we're starting in the right position. So the question is, what if you didn't catch this? What if I didn't catch this? Well, the patient would have probably ended up with a midline shift with arch asymmetry and lack of coordination and unnecessary IPR. Either one, two, all three, two of those, doesn't matter. Something would have gone wrong. So we need to make sure that the bite starts in the right position. And having Invisalign, including that into the ClinCheck, makes it much more seamless for us to be able to do that from the get-go. So let's then move down to the second aspect of reviewing the ClinCheck, and that has to do with the two-size discrepancy. So historically, I used to have to always ask for this, and uh, it was just part of my initial instructions, please provide the TSD analysis, 6 to 6 to 3 to 3, and give me the number. And then I have to decide what to do with that number. And I think Invisalign really realized what the value of this was, and they decided to include that tool for us, for us to use at our discretion. So this is what the Bolton Analysis tool looks like, and it provides reference, reference information pertaining to two-size discrepancy, which is useful for planning how to address interdigitation and arch coordination, amongst other things. So when we have a case such as this, and this is a uh, gentleman that is in my practice that has significant lower anterior crowding, which we ended up deciding to pull lower incisor on. Now the issue when you pull lower incisor is that you create a two-size discrepancy. So to be able to finish the case, with Invisalign and get this type of result, we cannot just guess. We need to have better diagnostic information. That two-size discrepancy will guide us to how much IPR we would need to do for the patient to finish the case with no overjet and have symmetric teeth and a beautiful smile. So when we go into ClinCheck Pro, if you go to Tools, you'll see now that you have a Bolton Analysis section there. And when you click on that, you get this nice little table here. And essentially, it's giving you uh, two main numbers which are significant, which is the, uh, the two-size discrepancy from the 3 to 3 and from the 6 to 6. So we know this gentleman has, in this scenario, uh, a two-size discrepancy not only in the posterior segment but also in the anterior. So when we're opening up this patient's deep bite, for example, we may choose not to do that much IPR because if we do more IPR in a deep bite case, we're going to deepen it. So this may lend us to maybe doing some buildups if we notice the bite is too tight once we level align everything. But this information is very useful towards making that decision. So let's go through another scenario, which is a very common one, which I see probably the mistake made the most with two-side discrepancy, and that's this. You have a patient that comes into your practice with spacing. And with this spacing, there's usually three variables that can cause this to happen. And we, we've probably all heard this story. So Young female walks in, in her 20s. Uh, I had previous ortho, didn't wear my retainer, and now these spaces opened up. So as the practitioner, you're thinking to yourself, now, well, what's the reason for the spacing? Well, it could be a tongue habit. Well, in this case, probably not because you see lower spacing, maybe co-clination of the teeth. Well, what's the other scenario? Well, maybe it could be late mandibular growth. Well, yeah, that's a possibility, but in this case, the patient's class one, so it really shouldn't make too much of a difference. So then immediately you think, well, two-size discrepancy because the upper laterals in this patient, of course, are too small, and that's why they're spacing. The top teeth can't properly fit over the bottom. So let's say that we say to this patient, well, this is a very straightforward Invisalign case. We can just close up all the spaces and put you right back to where you were when you finished your first round of orthodontics. So you put aligners on, and you see the ClinCheck beautifully closing spaces for you, and you requested in your setup that you don't like IPR, so you didn't choose to do any IPR. And lo and behold, the patient comes back, and they have clicking in their joints, and they have a posterior open bite. And now we're asking ourselves, well, what happened? And the, what happened was is that when we closed that spacing on the upper, it pushed the mandible back, and now your posterior teeth can't come together because the two-size discrepancy was ignored. So in doing a scenario like that where, again, you close the space, you, of course, have then a less than ideal occlusion, Compromise aesthetics because those laterals will look nicer if they were the right size and a posterior open bite. I recommend running that two-size discrepancy tool on every single case. It's invaluable information. You can always use it to your benefit to detail the case somehow. 
So that takes us to the next point. How do you address the two size discrepancy given that information? And again, Align has given us tools to help us to use this effectively. So when we get through here, we can look at, first of all, the depth of bite. And I kind of touched on it earlier, but if I have a, a patient like this with a deep bite who has a two size discrepancy, I'm not gonna perform a lot of lower IPR. You can see I have a very minor amount, but I'm only gonna really talk this patient into getting buildups. That's the only way I would choose to treat them with Invisalign if they really want to go through that process is to have uh, buildups down the upper because I know my mechanics for opening the bite will be much more effective. Now let's flip the situation here and say the same patient with that same anatomy of teeth comes in and they have an open bite completely different conversation in the consultation. I'm going to tell them, well, you have an open bite, but I can close your bite down by making the proportions of your teeth fit better by making the lower teeth smaller. That would mean your top teeth, the inner ditch over the lower, and you'll have a nice functional bite. So it completely changes the scripting of the consultation. Either way, I want to try to get the patient to wear Invisalign, but my mechanics change in how I treat that case based on the two size discrepancy. So when considering two size discrepancy, of course, aesthetics are the other concern because we want to pay attention to golden proportions. So in terms of spacing or IPR, we want to take that into consideration of the patient's smile. And lastly, we want to discuss detailing the buccal occlusion, which is where Invisalign is going to step in and give us a lot of great tools to enhance this. So when we get through here and we see a patient such as this, we can see we're getting class correction with this patient, but that, that would not be achievable without having some overjet. So the overjet in this case is coming from spacing of the upper and IPR of the lower. So again, the two size discrepancy will play a major role in being able to achieve an ideal occlusion. So as we now move forward, what have been the enhance enhancements to facilitate this? Well, for one, within ClinCheck, we can now lock or make teeth unmovable to set up our anchorage to allow us to detail the occlusion. So I'm looking through here. We can see we have a case that has no overjet, which is class two in the buccal occlusion. We have some IPR in the lower, but that wasn't enough yet. So as we play through, you can see we're fixing the Brody by on the right side. We're uprighting lower incisors, but after the bite jump, we're still class two in the buccal segment. So this immediately indicates, of course, that there's still a remaining two size discrepancy. So what we need to do here is to really look into this and we go to the bold analysis, pull up our table, and we can see here that we have a mandibular excess of 1.6 in the anterior, but almost 2.6 completely in the posterior. So in total, we have not completely addressed the mandibular excess with the amount of IPR we've done. So now what we could do is really two options. We could try to communicate with our tech and say, please use the remaining Bolton to establish a class one buccal occlusion. And that may or may not happen based on what the interpretation of the technician has on that instruction. Or we can go ahead and turn on 3D controls and just detail the occlusion ourselves. So the way we would do that is that when you grab the ClinCheck here, you have now two options on teeth. One of them is to, when you right click on the tooth, so we're gonna select IPR because that's what we're gonna start affecting. But when you right click on the tooth here, let's say we wanna slip the buccal occlusion mesially. We wanna slip the premolars and molars mesially into more class one relationship. If you just start adding IPR, you can see the canine goes more distal. That's not what you want. So we're gonna undo our changes because we want the canine to stay put. And instead we're gonna right click, and we have two options here. We can lock the tooth or make it unmovable. To make it unmovable, what that's actually telling the clincher is that that tooth is basically ankylosed or it's an implant. So that's not what we want because we obviously want to detail the tooth's position. So normally when you right click it and you make it movable again, the software un undoes your change. Sometimes it does not. So in some instances, you're gonna to have to go through and undo it. So unless you see the tooth go back to the original position, assume it wasn't reset. So I'm gonna reset that change and we'll just hit undo there, which you're always, you know, that's the beauty of the software. You can play around with it and just undo things. Nothing's permanent. But what we actually want to do here is make this tooth unmovable, or excuse me, to, to lock the tooth position rather. So we've locked the tooth position, and now when we add IPR, you can see the posterior segment slipping mesially. 
And now we can start detailing this patient's occlusion by addressing that Bolton discrepancy. So I use this quite often to detail the case and based on how I want to set it up. And of course, when you're when you have your anchors like this, you're dictating the space closure by running your elastics. So if I want the poster to slip forward, I need class two elastics to back up this movement. But now I can use a clean check to detail that out and get the changes that I wish to have without depending on the technician again to do what needs to be done. Another thing I can do here since the patient's class two is that I can rotate the molars out. So again, just using the power of ClinCheck Pro to get more class two correction. I like to see the buccal surfaces parallel with one another bilaterally. I can start detailing the remainder of the buccal segment there by expanding and rotating the five out as well to get more class two correction on that buccal segment. And this is of course, in addition to the eye guard and lower. Now you can see I've detailed this buccal segment to class one all on my own without having to communicate with the technician and it was done fairly quickly. So this is now really the way I address things. I don't try to write back to my tech. I just do it all on my own because I know what I want and I understand what's going to happen when I add those movements in. So another way to go about doing this too is mesial distal tooth movements. So let's say that in case there, we did not want to do lower IPR because we realize if there's a mandibular excess, that also means there's a maxillary deficiency. So in this case here, we could then maybe build up the lateral incisors instead. So in order to do that, when we're looking at this case, we can go ahead and again, lock the tooth position. So let's say we want to move the three to seven segment back and we're going to open up space distal to the lateral to build that tooth up in the future. So we're going to use the medial distal tooth movement tool, which I've highlighted. And that's going to help me then to push back that three to seven segment, you can see that IPR has already been programmed in there for me, but I don't really want that. So if you remove the IPR, that's going to further distalize the segment and allow these teeth to interdigitate very nicely into a class one occlusion. Because the patient has mandibular excess, again, we don't want upper IPR, we want upper spacing to get this to sock in. And if I want to move that lateral within its space, if I want to open up space on the mesial, close down some of that distal space, you can also do that with the same tool as well. So again, Align has given us the power to make those changes on our own, which is a fantastic thing. So you can see here when I decrease the IPR, that buccal segment starts to split mesially, and I don't want that. So what do we do? You know, you would go back and lock the tooth position again. So you can affect the changes and kind of play around with it and get exactly what you need. Another great tool here is occlusal contact. So you now have the option if you go to tools to show the occlusal contacts here, and you can see that they show up in green and in red. And what the occlusal contacts show you is, again, how heavy the eccentric contacts are for that patient. And that's really important to help guide you in your mechanics. So, for example, if I'm correcting a deep bite case, at the end of that case, I don't want any anterior contacts. I actually want a zero anterior contacts. And you can use this tool to show you exactly what's going on. So these are all uh, enhancements that have been released since the original ClinCheck Pro. But now since then, we have newer innovations, which again, have made things even better. It just keeps improving. And it's really remarkable how Invisalign's able to push the envelope with this. So we're gonna to touch on each of these. And the first one's gonna be here, the uh, tooth movement assessment, uh, which we're gonna to get to. So we're showing you six different types of innovations. And again, we're gonna to touch on every single one of them. So if we look at the tooth movement assessment, this again, takes us back down to our next piece of the flow diagram. So that once we've addressed the initial bite set and we've understood our mechanics based on how we want to address two size discrepancy, we can then really look at and assessing the predictability of movements of individual teeth or of groups of teeth. And when looking at this, this tool has provided a great visual. And what you're seeing here is that you'll see either blue or black dots, which trigger on the ClinCheck when there's difficult movements. Now, as we know, with Invisalign, there's two types of attachments. For one, there's conventional attachments, which are basically the block attachments, which the practitioner can drag and drop from ClinCheck and we can add on our own. Or there's optimized attachments, which are customized attachments based on that tooth's movement and tooth anatomy. And that's placed by the software. Now, when you just get optimized attachments placed, or when you just depend on the software to place your attachments for you, many times you can have unintended consequences. So this is a slide more for the uh, gentlemen that are listening to the audience. Don't forget Valentine's Day is around the corner. 
So we want to make sure to make those restaurant reservations sooner than later. Sneaks up on you. Sneaks up on me every year at least. So, uh, you know, you don't want things to happen that you didn't anticipate because that doesn't make you clinically efficient. So what am I referring to? So let's say you have a, a gentleman like this comes in, and you can see here that uh, patient's chief complaint is primarily the lower crowding, but what concerns me is that upper right cuspid. So when we look at that tooth in detail, we can see here that that tooth seems to have some root angulation issues. And if you imagine the root, it's just kind of hanging out to the side here. However, the software is going to prioritize the rotation of this tooth more than anything else. So it's going to get a nice rotation attachment. But that's not going to help you to control the root. So when we get through here and we see that it's not tracking clinically, I'm trying to force that tooth back into the liner, but that's simply not going to work. So what we need to do instead is to do a refinement, and in that refinement, I add the attachment, which should have been on there in the first place, which is the conventional attachment. Now, the thing is, I used to have to guess this. You know, we would look through, and I guess, is that tooth's root moving? Is it just rotation? So I just started over-engineering everything. If I thought there was any root movement of any cuspid, I would just add a long vertical attachment because I wanted to be better safe than sorry. So this is a different case where... I caught this from the beginning. There was an optimized rotation attachment. That's not enough for root movement. I thought there was some root movement on this tooth. So we went ahead and added the vertical that you see here. And then, of course, since the right attachment's on the tooth, lo and behold, clinically, we get a very nice resolution of the rotation with one set of aligners. So that's what we want. We want to be efficient, and having the right attachment design is a key step in getting there. So how do you know what the right attachment design is? Well, that's what the innovations have helped us to do here, and we're going to touch on that in a moment. I'm going to give you another scenario which we're all familiar with, and that's lateral incisors as well. So with laterals, the only real solution we have, we have obviously extrusive attachments if there's extrusion, or we have this multiplane attachment. Multiplane attachment is triggered when there's two movements occurring at the same time. So you get it with rotation plus lingual tipping, rotation with root movement, or rotation with extrusion. But what about rotation only? Well, then sometimes you actually don't get an attachment on a tooth, period. So this case here, when we look at her, we can see, as we get through to here, that there was no actual attachment triggered for this patient. So this is the patient's initial clin check. And this was prior, this case was in 2013, as you can see, but the initial iteration had no attachment triggered on that tooth whatsoever. And it's just because really it's primarily rotation. And we know that lateral incisor is not going to track without a rotation. But if you pull up this ClinCheck now with a new version of ClinCheck Pro, it's telling you that that is a difficult movement and there should be an attachment on it. So what I did historically uh, was that I went ahead and I did add an attachment to that too because I recognized that without the dot being there, that there needs to be some type of a handle on that tooth for the liner to grab it move it effectively. So I added on that patient's incisor there a long vertical attachment, as you can see here, to help that tooth to complete its rotation. So point being, though, sometimes, you know, we're human beings, our eyes miss things. So having that new version, uh, the, new, the newest update, I should say, it greatly enhances your, your visualization of what needs to happen. And this... Uh, tool here, this feature is available to you, so if we jump back here to ClinCheck, if you go to Tools and you go to Hide or Show Tooth Movement Difficulty, it brings those dots up for you. When you hover over the dot, it tells you why it's triggering. So in this case, for example, for the central, it's saying we have root movement of greater than six millimeters, and between anything greater than six is recognized as a medium movement, so you have this blue dot. Sometimes you get black dots. So, for example, if we go to this case here, we have a black dot trick. And the black dot's telling you that this is greater than really what is recognized as an achievable movement. And this line that doesn't limit me from attempting it, it just challenges me to get a better attachment on there. So whenever we look at these dots, we have to ask why they're being triggered and what else we need to do to enhance or make them more predictable. So black is a difficult movement. Medium is a blue dot which is, again, a medium movement. doesn't mean it's not achievable. It means you just really need to pay attention to it and make sure your attachment design is set up properly. So let's get through now to here. 
we're going to go to the next section here of the table. So Invisalign has also now included for us a tooth movement table, which allows us to record and edit tooth movements directly from this table, which we're going to show you here in a moment. So I use this table quite often now that it's available to me, and I use it to really assess sometimes when these blue dots are triggered, what exactly is going on. Because in this same example of this patient, where we had essentially the blue dot triggered, this is the gentleman with the cuspid that didn't track. We can see here that obviously there's rotation, but that blue dot being triggered, so when we hover over it, we can see, well, it's telling me it's rotation. So if I just decided to listen to that and say, oh, well, there's a rotation attachment on it, I would have ended up in the same spot. So if we go to tools and go to tooth movement table, though, I can look more closely and see for the upper right three, for the upper arch, that this tooth also has 16 degrees of root tip. So that immediately triggers me to know that I need to change that attachment type. If I see greater than five degrees of root tip, and this is just from my comfort zone, I like to get a root control attachment on there. So we, which usually amounts to a long vertical attachment. It gives me two surface areas to push on to get the root tip to occur predictably. So this tooth movement table, again, just gives you a summary of all the movements and allows you to double check yourself against that tooth movement difficulty tool against the dots to see is that the only movement that's really happening that's making that tooth a difficult movement or is there an ancillary movement which you need to consider in your attachment design to really get the, the predictable result and the final goal that you're looking for. So next thing through here, of course, is uh, looking at the interincisal angle, and we're still going to use the tooth movement table to help us with this. So in looking at this, this is an issue that we want to avoid, obviously, with ClinCheck, and that is posterior open bites. And posterior open bites occur many times. There's, there's a significant amount of reasons for them occurring, uh, but the main one is really having heavy anterior contact. So this is a patient that didn't experience enough torque during treatment. So they're under-torqued in the incisors, have heavy anterior contacts, and a result in posterior open bite. And this is a patient with a different scenario where the lower curve of speed is not intrude enough. So we didn't get enough intrusion, and that again is leaving heavy anterior contacts and a posterior open bite. So we commonly, just like we would with braces, have to over-treat this in the ClinCheck to end up getting the result we need. So this was this patient's refinement. We added in a bunch of torque into the upper incisors, and they, of course, then closed down. So how do you do this in a tooth movement table with Invisalign? So when we go to, let's say, a patient that I might be concerned with the depth of bite through treatment. So this is a patient, obviously, that's in refinement, and I would like to open up the bite some more. So when we go through here, and I'm just going to reset back to the original here. You go to the tooth movement table for you. When you go to Tools and Tooth Movement Table, you can see now that the Tooth Movement Table pops up. And within this, you have to make sure that you have the upper or lower arch uh, selected properly. So let's say here we want to open up this patient's bite some more. We're going to go to lower arch in that we would like to really see some visible overjet from the anterior view because we're worried about the bite deepening with all this IPR that we're prescribing. There's some intrusion already programmed in, but it may not be enough, and we want to over-treat this and establish a reverse curve speed on the lower. So what I could do here is my 3D changes on, so 3D changes do need to be on to edit this table directly, is that you can double-click on this, and you can go ahead and either use the arrows to add or decrease intrusion, or you can go ahead and type in the number. So let's say here I wanted to have three millimeters of intrusion. I can just type in the number three, hit enter, and we'll see that incisor then intrude three millimeters. Hit three, enter, hit three, enter again, and we just move across here. And that way I don't have to guess by moving teeth individually. I can perform the same exact movement for a group of teeth going across. Now this is for demonstration purposes only. I don't necessarily set up thin checks like this to establish a, a vampire jaw, but again, for demonstration purposes, that again is what you can do. And you can really perform this with any movement you wish. And if for any reason you wish to copy your changes or copy what's been going on with the patient, you can also click here and it copies all your tooth movements to a clipboard and you can then paste that into a Word document for your leisure. So let's get back here now 
and go on to our next innovation, which is the Tooth Movement widget. So we know that individually we can go ahead and move teeth with ClinCheck, but sometimes you then have to click between and toggle between each icon for what you want to do. So for movement, let's go back to the same ClinCheck we were looking at previously. For this patient here, let's get out of the tooth movement table. And let's go ahead and look at, for example, her upper left central incisor. So let's say I want to level the gum heights here, but I also want to establish torque and maybe rotate the tooth. Then individually, I would first grab it to intrude it, then I would go ahead and grab the rotation, and I would grab the torque. But if I want to do it all at once, you can just go ahead and this complex tooth movement icon, and I have every single vector available to you with which to move the tooth in. So I can go ahead and grab it and intrude it. I can rotate this tooth slightly, give it some crown torque, give it some lingual root torque as well, and go ahead and then move it more immediately if I wish to do so. So everything is available to you, and I don't have to sit here and toggle through each icon individually. So this has, again, made our lives much more efficient. So now we get through here, this is a very important topic, and what we're going to discuss now is the realistic occlusal plane angle. So this is in reference to an article, uh, everything I'm mentioning here by David Paquette, which was in the JCO a couple of years ago. And if you look up on Google, if you see a realistic occlusal plane angle and David Paquette, you'll have the article for reference. But he really mentioned a lot of great points in the article, which I think Invisalign took to heart and helped us to, uh, again, provide better treatment results for our patients. So this diagram is from that article. And what uh, basically Dr. Paquette referred to here is that, according to Downs, the occlusal plane angles for patients can range anywhere from 2 to 17 degrees with a mean of about 9. But when we look at how our ClinCheck's come back, the occlusal planes are pretty much set parallel to the floor. But this has and can have a profound effect on many variables. So for one, it can have a big effect on the amount of torque. And I just showed a picture of how torque ultimately affects our, our clinical outcomes, especially when you don't have enough of it. So if you can assume that the occlusal plane can range from 2 to 17 with a mean of about 9, but if we have a flat occlusal plane here, the effect of that is pretty profound in terms of what you're seeing here. So again, if we look at these lines, and these are different variations of the occlusal plane, imagine the incisor relative to this, how that would change what your torque would look like. So to show you that on ClinCheck, this is what that looks like. When the ClinCheck is set parallel to the floor, it seems like this patient has pretty decent torque of the upper incisors, and you may not need to add anything. And then when you go down to B, you can see, oh, well, those actually now look retroclined. I probably need to add some more torque for this patient, and C is even more exaggerated. So this is a really important thing to consider up front to make sure you're giving your patient enough torque. And of course, we try to use SEPs to diagnose that as well, but this is another way to, to really evaluate that to make sure that you're ending up where you need to be. The other thing to consider when setting your occlusal plane angle, of course, is the smile arc. Because in, in the example of A, if I'm treating this patient and they have, an, let's say, an open bite tendency, uh, I, may, I may choose to extrude those incisors because I want to give them a more constant smile arc. Whereas in B, if I look there, their smile arc looks actually pretty decent. I may choose to then extrude the lowers to close on the open bite. But the based on how you set that, it's going to affect your smile arc and your mechanics for, of course, the function of intrusion or extrusion anteriorly. So this, again, needs to be taken into consideration on how to treat the patients. So how do you do this? Uh, how do you set your occlusal plane and, and ClinCheck? I'm going to show you a live example here in a moment. But really, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's guesswork now. So you, one way to do that, Dr. Paquette has mentioned this in his article, is that until we can merge data from Combeam and maybe SEFs into our ClinCheck data, uh, a good method of doing this is to take the relationship with the patient's canine and first molar cusp tips and note them on facial smiling. So you really want to make sure you get a good smiling photo because sometimes patients, you know, they're in your office, they're there to improve their smile, they're embarrassed to show their teeth. That makes it harder than really know where to place the occlusal plane angle when you're trying to base off this frontal smiling photo. So really make sure that you get a good frontal smiling photo and you can orient your ClinCheck based on what you're seeing with those two parallel lines which you're seeing above in this photo here. 
So again, with the patient's smiling photo as a reference, the virtual model should be reoriented so the cusp tips of the canines and first molars are in the same relationship as in the photograph. So if we look at one of the clinics we're referencing before again, we get to here, and we go to photos, and we can get out of that widget. And I'm actually just uh, let's look at this properly. Going to put this back to where it was almost, and we're going to look at the Quintech model this way. So we go to photos and look at this patient's smiling photo. Blow this up here. We know we want to open up this patient's bite. We want to do that with either upper or lower anterior intrusion. Based on our smile photo, we can see here that that occlusal plane should probably be tilted down. A little bit to begin with. So the way I would affect this is to go to set occlusal plane angle. And we're going to make this larger. And now what I can do is to attempt to make this to match how the patient's actual occlusal plane angle looks like. I'll go ahead and tilt this down and set that at about what I believe her occlusal plane angle looks like. So I think about nine, which is actually average, uh, looks good for her. And I'm going to apply this now. And when I apply it, now any version or any orientation of ClinCheck that I look at is going to start with that orientation in mind. So that's going to, again, affect how I'm opening up the bite if I'm intruding the uppers or intruding the lowers. It lets me know if I'm really giving that patient a consonant smile arc at the end here, and she's obviously having built up several laterals. But if I can imagine those being restored, I'm actually pleased with how the upper looks now having made that change. So that, again, has a nice effect on how we're going to overall treat the patient. So the next thing to consider here is axial inclinations. So uh, I'm just going to go ahead and read off the slide here, but another area in which improper virtual model orientation can detrimentally affect human outcomes is related to the cant or roll of the virtual model, which can have a significant effect on the axial inclination incisors, amongst other factors. So uh, Dr. Kokage, Co to uh, you know, rest in peace, who contributed so much to our profession, had some articles that came out not too long ago really on perceived midline deviations, and that you can have midlines that are off and up to five millimeters, and really patients or even doctors sometimes don't even notice that. But when you have a cant to the occlusal plane or a tilt of the incisors, that's extremely noticeable in the smile. It can really affect one's perception of how beautiful their smile is. So this patient here, and we're going to see her photos here in a moment, had a very nice occlusion. If you were to look at her cats and her photos, you wouldn't really see that things were too far off. But her cant was driving her crazy, and you can see there's a nice tilt here to the incisors, and that's really what she was noticing. So that's how that line should be, and if we draw it down the line of her face. So if we look at her clean check when it first came back here from a line, this is how the ClinCheck model came back. But this really gives me almost no information on how I need to correct that cant for this patient, that role. So this was before this tool was available to me. Unfortunately, I had to keep taking the model and kind of rotating it every time I made a change. And as soon as I went somewhere else, the orientation went back to where it was. And it was very frustrating. I had to keep tilting the model back and forth to get things the way I wanted them to. So now that this has opened up in the new version of ClinCheck Pro, you can see here, and just again, just to illustrate the point, when I correct this, you can see with the current orientation, you can see that the correction looks like it's tilted, but it's because I had to keep orienting the model to what the patient was. So this is actually the correct way it should be. So if we go to tooth movement table now and turn that on, and I don't have the patient's smiling photo here for reference in this version, but you saw what the patient's smile looked like. If I take the, um, excuse me, we actually wanted to go here. Close the plane angle. There we go. We'll get on that. That if I wanted to set this correctly, I should have set it like this to affect the roll, just like that. And again, that's where the patient started in terms of their overall smile and where they were. And now when I set this and apply it, this is my reference point to make all the changes through ClinCheck to get those axial inclinations correct this patient. That's how that patient's jaw and bite truly are. Okay. So 
camera has hyperlinks. This is a neat, neat tool. So when we're communicating with our tech, quite often I was finding myself historically in terms of my typing with them saying, uh, and my tech's name is Susie, and she is absolutely wonderful. And if she's listening, hi, Susie, in Costa Rica. Uh, but when I was communicating with her, if I saw things were off. So, for example, if I was looking at the max little arch form, and I saw the arch form was asymmetric, I would contact her and say, Susie, you know, please look at this view and, uh, you know, notice that the arch form bows out to the right or left, you know, for example. But the way we look at the model really changes so much. And what I mean by that is this. So if I pull up the same clinch again, we look at the occlusal. Let's get rid of this here. And let's say I'm trying to evaluate this patient's arch forms. Well, if I pull up my grid, which is another great tool, that's one-to-one, -one, so each one of these blocks represents a millimeter. If I'm looking at my grid here and I try to get the midline here centered on one of these darker lines, so right through here, and I'm trying to count over. So, you know, each of these is 10. So we're going 10, 20, 30. This is right at 30. Whereas if we go to the other side, 10, 20, 30, this is a little bit over 30. So my arch one is bowing out a little bit to the right side. So if I wanted to communicate to Susan and say, please correct this, my arch one is bowing out on the right side, please see the attached reference point. I can sit there and make my changes here, but I can click in capture view. And it takes a snapshot of exactly what I'm looking at. Because otherwise, imagine what Susie's trying to do on her end. If she's trying to replicate what I was just discussing with her, well, as soon as she takes this model and does this, it changes the way that looks on this grid. Now it doesn't look so bad, for example. You know, so if we center this again to where it was, make that a little bit smaller so we can look at that. Based on how I'm rotating this or moving it, it's going to be very hard for her to communicate or to understand exactly where I'm at because based on how I'm tilting this or rolling it, it affects the way it's on this grid. So you can capture exactly what you're looking at and have that in reference for the technician so they know what changes to make for you. So again, that's a great, great tool because as we all know, a picture speaks a thousand words and it's going to greatly decrease our communication with the technicians again. All right. So Invisalign already does such a profound job of marketing uh, patients into our practice. And it's uh, changed the profession forever, and we all know it. Uh, it's not going to go anywhere. It's only going to keep becoming more prevalent. We all know it works. It's a matter of learning how to use it. So one of the ways that they've enhanced the marketing within the business now has been this patient treatment viewer. Because as we all know, patients are most excited really twice during treatment when they first get started and then when they finish. In the middle, you know, they're asking you, well, when am I going to be done? And uh, that's just part of it. That's part of the way it is. We have to have, uh, you know, positive psychology skills, get motivated throughout the whole process. But we want the advantage of that initial excitement, and this is one great way to do that. So with this, um, with this live review of what the patient sees, this is great for marketing. It's great for hype of the office, and this is exactly what this is. So... When you go through with your ClinCheck with the patient, this is a patient that I recently uh, put in treatment as of September, class two, division one case that uh, we're trying to close the bike down, reduce her overjet here. And, you know, this is a pretty dramatic case. I would love for this patient to show this to everyone in the world because look at how cool this looks. I mean, it's just, imagine as a layperson, I think sometimes we forget how cool this software is and how amazing it must look see her teeth moving like that. I want her to show this to all of her coworkers, all of her family. I want everyone to see this, and I want my name all over it. So what you can do with this is that once you go through the clinic with the patient, you show them exactly what you're trying to aim for. And whether you do that or not, that's to you, but I definitely show uh, patients all ClinCheck's. I think it's a great communication tool. But if you go to tools, or excuse me, if you go to export, rather, and if you go to export and share treatment plan, you can now share this with the patient directly. All I have to do is type in the patient's email. So in this case, I'm typing in the email, my email address just for um, demonstration purposes. And uh, please don't email me because I will ignore you. I'm, I'm just kidding, but please don't inundate me with emails. And uh, we're going to go ahead and type the name in here. You can choose to type in your phone number. Of course, you're going to put your website on there and uh, any other comments 
that you wish to put that you think would be exciting for the patient. You know, so for example, you know, congratulations uh, on your Invisalign phrase. Okay, I can probably think of more, something more creative than that, but let's just go with that for now. And then you send it. Now, for the patient to access this, this is important for your assistants to know so that they can communicate this effectively. When you go, uh, when the patient rather goes into their email, they're going to see two emails from a line. One is the link to open up the shared case. So you see that here, view treatment, that's the link to actually open it up. The second, which you're going to get, that second email is actually a password. So to be HIPAA compliant and so forth, there's a password that they need to enter in. So they would then open up the secondary email and within that just simply copy and paste. And when they copy and paste that password that goes into the next, uh, that original email rather, right over there, paste. And now when they view their treatment, they get this really cool model. And kind of wish uh, eventually our models look like this, but look at how cool that model looks. It looks very realistic. It's a nice interpretation of the teeth. Uh, again, you can choose to show IPR attachments. You can choose to show nothing. It's completely up to you. But now, uh, and you can see all your marketing is on here, courtesy of Maz Mashiri. My website's mazmashiri.com. They can see their teeth moving. They can stay motivated for the final result. They can always reference this to see what's happening, to see if their trays are tracking properly, uh, you know, based on how intense your patient is. We're, you know, you have all sorts of degrees of patients. Some people would love to see this, and it would be a great motivating factor for them. They can superimpose their teeth. They can use the grid. There's certain features available to them, too. They can share with other people uh, who want to see it. So this is really a great tool for marketing, again, of your business. And I, we, we make every patient, we, send, we just send it, we don't even ask them. We say, what's your email? And we send it to them. So it's, again, a great tool for that. So with that being said, uh, I've gone through all the new features, and it's really been a pleasure. And I appreciate your time here on a Friday to listen to this lecture. I did want to give you two uh, websites for reference. The first is yourorthocoach.com. I realize that ClinCheck is a learning process and realize that not only will Invisalign help you, but uh, myself and other speakers can also be at your service. And yourorthocoach.com is a live ClinCheck uh, service where we will help you and guide you through your ClinCheck's, teach you how to use the software effectively and give you confidence so you eventually can just do it all on your own. And if you need any other references and resources on class two or deep bike correction, my website has all my past ATEs, papers, and webinars on there as well. To obtain your CE certificate for this program today, uh, again, I believe you're getting two hours of CE, please fill out the brief survey, uh, which is at Invisalign.com. Uh, upon completion of your survey, you'll have immediate access to your CE certificate. And this survey will only be available for since there's a live presentation via the webinar or phone. This is to complete the Archive Court on Education tab of the Amazon Doctor site. You can obtain their CE test uh, within the website itself. So thank you again for your time. And with that, I'll turn the ball back over to Ms. Laura. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Mashiri. Great presentation. And I just wanted to reiterate to uh, access your CE certificate, please look at the link on your screen so you can immediately do so. If you experience any problems during this presentation, the archive program will be available on the education tab of your Invisalign doctor site. I want to thank Dr. Mashiri again for a great presentation and to all of you for taking the time out of your Friday to join us. We look forward to seeing you on another Ask the Expert webinar. Thank you all very much.